inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thank you for joining this show today. We are going to talk about today about um, failures, also a bit uh, about success, about entrepreneurship, and about storytelling. We have um, an amazing guest who has been doing a lot of research and interview about all these topics together. So let me introduce you, Matthew Turner. Matthew Turner is an author and storyteller who works with entrepreneurs, funders, and creative thinkers build thriving businesses that light a fire within them. His latest book is The Successful Mistake. After interviewing 163 authority figures, Matthews has unearthed how successful people overcome failure and adversity, not only ensuring they don't end ruin their livelihood, but form the basis of the greatest idea yet. Matthew is an English writer who loves a good story and a rich black coffee. <laughs> Hello, Matthew. Oscar, hello. Thank you so much for having me on your awesome show. Yeah, it's great having you here. And yes, um, I dig a bit about yourself and I learned that you have been, but now you are embarked in this new book that just launched. It's for entrepreneurs mostly. You will tell a bit more about that the successful mistake but i also know that previously you have been writing fiction books so please start telling us a bit about your beginnings writing fiction and stories and what motivates you to write a business book yeah absolutely well fiction is deeply embedded in my passion for writing it's how i discovered it i um i've, I've looking back on my life always i've always enjoyed storytelling I've always enjoyed that creative outlet, although I never linked it to writing and reading until I reached my early 20s. And then after a pretty rough breakup, I, I turned to writing as a form of therapy and I found it worked and I found I, I enjoyed it. And those sort of ramblings going on in my mind uh, formed a story. And several years later, that story became my first novel called Beyond Parallel. And since then, I've written several short stories and prequels to other books mm -hmm. and two other further novels called Tick to the Talk and I Love You. And I'm not currently working on another form of fiction, although I've got many more in me. And <laughs> I'd like to think by the time I, you know, reach an old man, I'll have, you know, dozen, a couple of dozen novels to my main. It's, it's, it's my passion. I, I love, I love that outlet. And although... I, I love what I'm doing at this moment in time and I love the success and mistake and everything I'm creating on the back of that. There's uh, there's certainly always a hole in my in my life when I'm not writing fiction. Mm -hmm. so it's a real labor of love. It, it takes a great deal, but it gives so much more. So my writing really did begin with fiction, but I suppose my writing under the at the core has just always been surrounded by this love for storytelling. And that's where my sort of drive to to write a business book came to be i i wanted to work for myself i have a background in marketing but a, a passion in writing and i find a lot of textbooks that people create are very boring 
<laughs> and I, I loved the idea of writing a more sort of narrative driven book that would help today's entrepreneur and creative person, you know, fellow writer get, get from where they are to, to where they wish to be. And that developed after a little bit of thinking and a little bit of to and fro into a successful mistake. And again, that was my, my first book, real major nonfiction project. But if I've got anything to do with it, it'll be the first of many. So, so yeah, although I do both fiction and nonfiction and I target the sort of whimsical reader and the go getting entrepreneur, they, they both kind of flow from the same passion of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Now that you mentioned the storytelling, also of course comes on your on your new uh, book that is for business. Uh, yeah, I read actually. I read um, you have some sample um, on your website, so I read part of that. And yeah, I can I can feel the the storytelling <laughs> in the way you write. <laughs> that's good so. to hear, man. Thank you. <laughs> and just a curiosity, actually, how did you? You were writing fiction for for some time already, for a few years, several books already published. And I understand that writing fiction and writing nonfiction is is like a different world. So what gave you inspiration for writing nonfiction? They are. They're two completely different worlds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so funny because they're, they're so similar. Ultimately, you're just putting pen to paper fingers <laughs> to keyboard it's writing in the end of the day yeah. and i suppose they're both dwell upon the, fir- the same parts of your brain you know creativity is creativity is yeah, creativity mm-hmm. but but yeah they, they require such different approaches although i must say i try to not approach them all that differently mm-hmm. when when you're writing fiction you you get to really lose yourself within yourself i mean that's like the <laughs> big important thing you you just kind of tapping into your imagination in your mind and you just kind of take it where it goes it needs structure it needs a lot of iteration but you're just letting your mind wander and you see where it goes whereas when you're writing something of non-fiction where you're, you're hoping as well as entertaining the the person and inspiring them you're also educating them you're teaching them it needs to be like a tangible outcome mm. you can't lose yourself within yourself just go off a tangent write whatever it needs to you know always stay on point so that's kind of difficult because it i had to just tweak my approach i had to have a slightly different writing style when i was writing a successful mistake compared to my other novels and with the successful mistake i mean i interviewed 163 people for it as you can imagine you mm. do a audio podcast yourself that's that's a lot of interviews that's a lot of transcripts to go through i listened to every one of those interviews again uh, many of them you know two three times a lot of note taking highlighting a lot of the thing so when i was going through and writing the first draft i wasn't able to just you know write my own experiences and what i was thinking i was constantly having to think right well how can i fit someone's story in this so if i was focusing on early on in the book for example you read was all around um, the the sort of art in hiring and the mistakes that come from hiring people. So I had to constantly think, well, which of the core stories that are going to help back up my own sort of uh, research that I've done for this book as a collection, but how can I back myself as, you know, with one or two stories at all times? So you're, you're writing a, a chapter and, and then you're thinking, right, can I fit a quote in here? Mm. So it's a much more stilted process. I would write maybe... 1500 2000 words an hour when in fiction and i'm writing a first draft because it's just me and my mind and if i get in a good flow 
I can easily whip out, you know, 2000 upwards of 2000 words in an hour, mm. but a 1,200 word kind of chapter for the success mistake would take like a couple of hours. So very different worlds, even though they both involve writing. In terms of what inspired me to to write a work of nonfiction and to focus on a business book, I, I suppose I knew when I started this journey as, as an entrepreneur, a writer, or whatever you really want to classify me as, <laughs> I I knew I would read a lot of books. I had a lot to learn. I still do have a lot to learn. And I liked the idea of writing a book that I personally needed to read. So The Success Mistake, first and foremost, is a very selfish endeavor. It, it's the book I needed to read at the time, and it didn't exist. So I thought, well, how about I'm the one who goes out and touches base with all those amazing people, speaks to them one-on-one, gets all those incredible anecdotes, form those life-changing connections, and have everything that comes from it, and then learn a lot while not only doing the research, but then writing the book. And at the end, hopefully it becomes something that will help a lot of people too. So that's really what inspired me to do. It was a book I personally needed to read. It didn't exist. So I thought, hey, why shouldn't I be willing to go and write it? <laughs> yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, motivation, yeah, the book didn't exist. So now you 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 made it happen. And... Oh, great. Great, yeah, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> and you. Now, could you explain us uh, shortly what, what, is, uh, what is the book? The, the successful mistakes yeah absolutely well simply put it's a i interviewed 163 successful entrepreneurs authors speakers authority figures uh, people who are you know further down their line various forms of success in different industries people at the beginning of their journey compared to those at the end a real wide array of people and a lot of eclectic personalities throughout that and i i basically would speak to them and ask them, what is your greatest, like, what is your biggest mistake in business or in mm -hmm. life? And how did you like tr turn that into the success story you are today? Like, what did you learn? What would you do differently? Had you done it all again? And that, that's basically what the book is, is about. It's about trying to help the reader see mistakes for what they are and approach mistakes and failure and adversity like the world's finest minds do. So there's a seven stages throughout the book and you go through these seven stages. Mm -hmm. These are the seven stages that everybody goes through once they make a mistake or they fail. Sometimes they're, you know, they're minor mistakes, so you don't kind of notice it. Sometimes it's a big life altering mistake or failure or change and you end up going into these seven stages. And the book just works you through these seven stages. Like this is what you go through after you make a mistake. And this is how basically successful people approach. Like this is what they've learned along the way. And the great thing is like the caveat at the end is, is that although everybody goes through those seven stages, the best of the best of us quite often will, you know, they'll enter stage one, but they'll stay in it for like no time at all, mm -hmm. approach things differently to the majority of folk, skip straight to, to stage five, which is where all the good stuff is coming, and then reap the benefits of stage six and the, the value of stage seven. Whereas a lot of people for a long time, including these people who I interviewed, will, will suffer through stage one, suffer through stage two, suffer mm -hmm. through stage three, lose themselves in stage four before they come out of the other side. So it's a book that is designed to really educate, entertain, and inspire really show you that those at the top, those you admire, they make mistakes. They've made mistakes. They've failed plenty of times. They've been where you are right now. Mm -hmm. 
but you're not going to fail because of that. And if anything, you will be able to turn those mistakes into your most successful endeavor yet. You just need to have a slightly different mindset. You need to approach things differently. And the book shows you how the best approach it compared to the rest. So every uh, for each of these um, uh, persons you interview, start with a mistake and they go all the journey until the success. That's how it goes. Yeah, basically. I mean, I, it's not a book that goes through all 163 case studies. It's it's narrative driven. Mm -hmm. It's been told really from my experiences. So I'm writing from, you know, the collective research that I did speaking to everyone. But then throughout, I'm touching upon stories and quotes and anecdotes and examples to, to kind of bring the point home, really. But but yeah, the main caveat is that people make mistakes and those mistakes can really hurt you. And they can indeed be the end of you. Like certain times, failure, they are just that. They, they failure, you know, they're the end of you and you give up. But the most successful people often become successful because of the mistakes they make, because of the failures they face, because of the adversity they suffer through, not despite of them. And mm -hmm. it's just having that outlook on, okay, if I'm feeling the pain today, like if I'm making mistakes now, like it's okay, I don't need to beat myself up. I need to own it. I need to learn from it. I need to move from it. And I need to get to where I need to be. And this will become like a greater idea so long as I approach it in the right way. And, and that's one of the greatest things. Like mistakes will often drive you to something so much better. It's not easy. And if you approach it in the wrong way, like it won't. Like a mistake will be a mistake and you'll make it again and again and you'll suffer and you'll fail and you'll reach the end. But if you approach it like the best do, then you can turn that mis mistake into success. And that is what I saw people do again and again and again. Like 163 people tell me about very different. Like some of the mistakes were quite small, everyday stuff. Some of them were life shattering, lose your house, over the IRS, hundreds of thousands of dollars, like bankruptcy, <laughs> like, like big, big time, like hurt, like rock your world. But they were still able to bounce back and not only build something that's good, but build something that was so much better than what they had before. And it takes a lot of hindsight to be able to appreciate that. But through the seven stages, you're able to see, you kind of work through it and, and get to the end point where you look back and go, wow, that wasn't actually that bad of a time. It hurt, but, but I learned a great deal. Great. Um, as I said, I read a bit of your book and I could feel the storytelling flowing there. Could you tell us uh, for the benefits of the, of the audience to... To know how you how to use storytelling, what you could um, somehow give us advice. Tell us now how you have used storytelling throughout your whole book. There's there's a few different layers of storytelling in the book, or at least hopefully is what it comes across. There's the grander story of the seven stages, and that mm. I'm, I'm kind of if I look at the the book as a sort of with a bird's eye view, like a blueprint. These seven stages for my personal story. Like I'm, I'm hopefully going to, you know, guide the, the reader along these seven stages. That in itself is a story. You know, that's the journey. Like that's the story I've personally gone through interviewing everyone and learning everything that I know today about mistakes and failure and adversity and how to transform it all around. But in doing so, I'm constantly picking on lots of other little anecdotes and stories too from mm -hmm. people who feature in the book. So I'm backing up my own story with their stories. So there's constantly two layers of story. There's the grander story, the grander journey that you're going through as a reader. But at any given point, there's lots of other little stories that are coming in to make that. And the reason I did so was I, 
ideally the reader is going to read it from you know front to back they'll go from page one to page 200 and whatever and follow it from the end but i also wanted to make sure it was a book that you could come in and start in stage two and mm-hmm. work you know whatever read it in any way that you think is going to be best for you and each stage is broken up into chapters and segments and i approached all these little chapters and sections as like blog posts so they're all like a thousand words mm-hmm. 1200 words long and they're just broken down into like little mini stories so there's the collective story which is is designed to kind of capture your imagination and kind of lose you in the journey and and keep you i suppose engrossed in the book from start to finish but then there's these mini chapters these mini blog posts which have storytelling at its heart too and that's to kind of keep the flow going but also to make it entertaining if you just want to come in it's like today i i don't want to start at stage one i, I need to like start at stage four because that's most relevant to me and i want to start on this particular blog post because it features someone who i admire and as a as an individual story it's still uh, capturing so storytelling is is really at its core and there's a few different layers to it and the sole reason for that is because storytelling captures our imagination it captures our hearts if you tell somebody what happened with your day you can do it in a boring way where you detail things and for me that's like a standard textbook (laughs) you might learn a lot about the person you might learn everything you need to know about that person's day by them listing everything that they did and how they did it but it's probably going to be quite boring you're probably going to switch off that person (laughs) could also approach like a story and you know bring you into it you know use all those various different storytelling techniques to kind of capture your imagination put you in the moment you're still going to learn everything you need to know you're still going to know exactly what that person did and how they did it through the day but time's going to fly quickly and you're going to be more engrossed you're going to be more connected with them and you're probably going to actually remember it a great deal more because you're not remembering through facts and figures you're remembering through story and memory recall is much easier when you're able to put a story to it i mean you just have to look back to when you were studying for a test You could just read, 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 keep reading it until you kind of memorized it. Mm -hmm. Or you could always try and turn it like people would put, like make rhymes out of them and make little anecdotes and (laughs) little stories to help them remember the various facts and figures and the various stuff that they needed to do in the story. The mind just remembers stories. It's it's just as simple as that. So storytelling is really powerful. It's it's not just powerful in books. It's powerful in, in marketing. It's powerful in sales. It's powerful in absolutely everything. And... I couldn't imagine ever writing a book that didn't have storytelling at its core. So yeah, it <laughs> might be very difficult for for you. It's great that you you cannot imagine yourself writing a book without um, storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> so mm, pretty interesting. The your approach for the whole book is, as you said, uh, several layers of um, of storytelling. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Your book is uh, about mistakes or failures. And I heard quite a few times that when you speak in public, the audiences want to hear more your failures than your successes. What do you think? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I suppose the thing is when it comes to failure, failure is real. I, uh, I mean, I have a few friends who like to, you know, gamble, bet on the football or whatnot, mm. you know, place <laughs> a bet here and there. 
And they will always tell you about the time that they succeed, you know, like, oh, I won such and such this week. They're, they're always happy to gloat about the time they mm. won, you know, a few hundred and one big. So on the outside looking in, you're like, oh, they must be making a real decent amount of money from all their bets because they're always winning. But what they don't tend to tell you at the times that they lose. And on that day, they won, you know, 150 quid. They may have also lost like 40 pound on other bets. They don't tell you that. They tell you about the winnings. And I think it's very much like that when people are, whether it's listening to a podca- podcast, whether it's reading a blog post, whether it's going to a talk or a conference and seeing people speak, you you hear the success. And, and although it's great and you can tell the picture and it's like, oh, I did X, Y, and Z and I made all this money. And if you do what I did, you can too. Like you, you hear it and it's like, it gives you hope and it inspires you. But I think you're also kind of skeptical because it's so easy to talk about your success stories. What isn't easy to talk about are the failures. (laughs) So when you hear someone telling you about one of their failures, about the time they made mistakes, and ideally how that led them to something better further down the road, they're automatically sharing something that's vulnerable about themselves. Mm. And I think that forms a greater connection between speaker and audience. Mm, It builds greater trust. So again, whether you're listening to a podcast, reading a blog post, and listening to someone on stage, if they're talking about failure or mistakes, they're they're opening up to them to you. They're they're inviting you into a more vulnerable place of their heart, and it's easy to build trust on the back of that because they're not trying to sugarcoat it all. They're not trying to do you a fast sell. They might still be trying to sell to you. They might still be sharing success in the middle of all that, but because they're opening up and sharing failure. You have greater trust and any kind of transaction, any kind of experience, any kind of relationship really fundamentally comes down to trust. You know, if I'm going to buy from you, do I trust you to deliver? Do mm-hmm. I trust you to provide something that I need or that's going to help me? If I'm going to listen to you, if I'm going to dedicate time to you, again, by listening to a podcast or reading a blog post, whatever it might be, do I trust you? Do I trust you to deliver? Do I trust you to provide value for me? And I think if you go in and you start opening yourself up and really sharing those failures, it builds that trust. So people are going to listen and they're not going to be as skeptical because they're hearing something more vulnerable. Whereas if all you're hearing is success, 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 you do these 10 steps and you'll have just as much as that I do. You're like, yeah, it sounds great, but am I going to be able to do it? I don't know whether I trust you. I don't know whether I should listen to you. So I think that's kind of what it boils down to. And that's really the big relationship between, you know, the success stories and the failure stories. You don't want to just hear about someone's failure because then that trust, you know, ekes your way. It's like, well, all I'm hearing is that you failed. Like, should I be listening to you? But I think if you're able to open up and share some failures and show how that led to success further down the line, that's when you're able to build a great rapport with your audience and build something of true meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree, agree what you said. Um, building trust is one good reason to talk about your failures, and and it connects, as you as you also said, helps you to to connect with the people you are you are talking with or the people who are reading what you have written. <laughs> and yeah. imagine that. You, for some reason, you're going to speak in public or you're going to re- uh, write a blog article. So you want to share um, either success stories 
or failure stories that you have never told before. So you have to articulate them, write them. So in in a simple way, let's say, understandable way, the ideas, put in in words. Um, what do you think are easier to, to write, to articulate? Uh, failure stories or success stories? Are there any difference in this? I don't know if there's much difference. It's, it's always harder to uh, tap into the failure stories because you've got that self-doubt and insecurity. And it's like, mm -hmm. should I share this? Like, mm -hmm. I'm scared, I'm sure. nervous. If I, if I share this about myself, will they judge me? Will they not like me? Will they not trust me? Will they not believe in me? Whereas if you're sharing success, it's a bit easier because you're able to show up good stuff. But the process is ultimately the same. I mean, okay. I... <sighs> Story 101, you know, like beginning, the middle, and an end. So, you know, you start with the beginning and you work through to the middle and you end up into the end. So if you're talking about failure or success, I think the, you know, the process is, is pretty much the same. There's there's various different techniques to, you know, story, you know, the hero or the villain. Or it, mm. There's different approaches and techniques. But I, I always kind of just cut to the chase. I mean, ultimately, a good story is about just engagement and, and immersing people, like getting them to lean in and want more. And the simplest way to kind of structure that down is beginning, middle, and end, and try and have it flow throughout, have those hooks, have those cliffhangers, have it move one to the next. So whether you're talking about mistakes or failure or success and brilliance, it doesn't really matter. What I would say, though, is there's a lot to be said about including both. And if we, we touch upon this notion of beginning, middle, and end, you could very much start the story off with vulnerability and failure and these mistakes because that's kind of really going to put you on the same level with those you listen like they're, they're going to trust you in an instant i mean as you move into the middle and the end bring in this idea of success whenever possible and i think that's a lot of the time where i will try to approach you know like when i'm writing talks or videos or scripts it obviously differs depending on the subject matter But if you're able to kind of start off with some sort of form of vulnerability and then move into success, I think that's a really good formula for, well, indeed, success. Because, again, you start, you're, you're building that rapport, really, you're building that trust. And by the time you're getting to the, the part where you're sharing success and showing how good you are, they're, they're going to be more likely to believe you. So, but in terms of the approach mm -hmm. and how I would go about writing it or scripting it or talking about it, There's, there's not that much difference between failure and success. It's certainly harder to, to, to share failure. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it is difficult. It's a challenge, but it's a challenge I absolutely encourage everybody to you know, partake in from time to time. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that. Yeah, and it happened to me also. I wonder, should I, should I share this story? I, I never share this story. Should I do it? And is this hesitation that come at first? But then you just decide to do it and you write it. And okay, great to hear that uh, from you that the process is the same. So it's just a matter of getting rid of this um, hesitation or, that comes at the beginning. Yeah, and it, and it is hard. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, sharing your failure is easy. Mm -hmm. I think it's always easier when you are when you're happy with yourself. So if you're in a place of life where you've got enough money and you've got a, you know, a stable surroundings, you know, family and friends, and, and you consider yourself successful and happy mm. and free, a lot of the people I was speaking to um, for the book, you know, people who consider themselves successful and mm. happy and free, it's easier to kind of share your failures because 
you're not as vulnerable. You're not as insecure. Like you're able to look back and, and even if it's a mistake that happened recently, you're able to go like, well, it's okay because my life is still pretty good. Whereas if you're just starting out and you haven't got enough money, you haven't got the clients, you're still very much building. It's a lot harder to share those failures and mistakes and vulnerabilities then because you don't have that social proof. You don't have that belief. You don't have that faith. You don't have that thing to back it up where you're, it's okay because I'm happy and successful and I'm, I'm free because I'm like, I'm still getting there and I'm still really nervous and I don't know whether I've got the, what it takes to, you know, to do all this. But, but again, it just comes back to that bravery of just having a breath and going, is this something I want to share? Like, am I, if I share this failure, is it going to be beneficial to me? Is it going to be therapeutic and, you know, like help keep me accountable? Is it something that's going to help me personally, help me grow as a person? And B, is it going to help the person on the other end? Like, is it going to help them, you know, learn mm-hmm. from my mistakes? Is it going to have give them a better appreciation, a greater view on things? And if the answer to both of those is yes, find the bravery to push through and share that failure, share that story. If the answer to both of those questions is no, then there's no real point in sharing it mm-hmm. because it's not helping you grow and it's not helping them grow. But if it's going to help you grow and it's going to help them grow, share it, find a bravery, share it. It's going to help. And although it'll be hard, it will be worth your while. Yeah, it's a great, thanks. It's a really great approach. Just two questions to validate if you should share this failure story, because as you said, it's going to benefit yourself and the others. Yeah. Absolutely. Great thoughts. Matthew, could you now share with us what is your favorite quotation? Okay, so I wanted to keep things on topic and I'm, I'm going to read this off screen because it's one I, I do like and it's from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he says, The greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we do fall. And, and I think that's just so apt about about life, business, pretty much all the gray in between. There's a lot to be said about we, we look at success and we look at, you know, having all this, but really the greatest glory in life is is to not give up and to pick yourself up when you're when you're down. And there's so many different levels of feeling down. And that will never end because you know life likes to throw curveballs at us it's just a bit of a jerk like that so if you're able to look back and remember that hey i really hurt during that moment that breakup hurt me that mistake at work hurt me that rejection in business hurt me whatever it might be like that hurt but i'm still here and i'm in a better place now there's a lot to be said about that and if you keep doing that and you keep rising and learning and iterating and improving and then fall down and rising and doing it all over again. You know, there's, that's a great journey and there's a lot to take from that. Great quotation. Now, I imagine that, of course, you are a, a writer. I guess you have been reading a lot of books, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so could you think of one book that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you? Well, one book which I read quite recently, and it's definitely stuck with me, it's called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And I'm, I'm really delving in. Ever since I, I wrote The Success Mistake, it, it introduced me to, you know, the difference, different mindsets between successful people and everyone else. And Carol's book, Mindset, offers a really good in-depth view into that, the difference between a fixed and a, a growth mindset. So that's been very inspirational to me not just for my work but for 
you know, my life in general, it's helped me see like my relationships and how I act as a father and, and absolutely everything. And your mindset as a person is is relevant to you no matter what you're doing, whether you're far down the road in life and you're, you know, you're getting on and you've, you've got an established business or whatever, or you're at the beginning, like mindset's important. And the more you appreciate your own mindset and take from that, really, really the better. So it's, it's a book that's inspired me a great deal over the last few months. I only wrote it, read it about mm, probably about two and a half months ago now, but it's, it's been a game changer for me and I feel like it's going to stick with me for a long time. About mindset. Excellent. Yes. I have to check it out also. I haven't heard it before. It's a good read. Very good read. Great. Now, Matthew, could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommended doing it daily or weekly, a routine to shine? Well, I'm going to um, pass on a little bit of advice. I, I recently did a, ma a masterclass with uh, Matthew Park, who's the main man over at the Peak Mindset following on from this notion of mindset it's a big part of my life at the moment and uh, i i loved his his morning routine and it's a real challenge it's a real quite frankly scary one <laughs> but I'm, i'm not a morning person and i've tried numerous stuff and i i like matthew's approach it's been a challenge i've been doing it myself i did it this morning and his routine basically i'll just kind of go through it and it's something that you could tweak until i've already tweaked and turned it for mine but i'll share matthews and it's to wake up at whatever hour an early hour so like say six o'clock in the morning spend the first couple of minutes just like recalibrating your mind just looking at the ceiling don't grab your phone don't do anything like that just think about what you're appreciative of you know what you're going to do today just spend two or three minutes doing nothing but like this is what i'm going to do today this is what i'm excited about this is what i'm appreciative of and it just gets your mind ticking then get up go for it, do some exercise. So for me, it's going for a run, you know, do some exercise, get the blood boiling, get going, come back from that exercise, ice bath or freezing cold shower. <laughs> and it and it's a killer. And it's so, it's, it's the worst thing in the world to do in the morning, but my gosh, it, it just revitalizes you. It gets your, your skin tingling. You feel so much better afterwards, really perks you up. And then the final thing is to go upstairs and before you have coffee or anything else, just pour yourself a big glass of water and squeeze some fresh orange in or put some kind of lemon juice in. And it's the, uh, it's the, uh, the, the juices in there kind of just gets you not, you're not only hydrating your body, but it, the chemical balance gets it right because, um, the acids in the, in the lemons kind of mm. recalibrates your body as well. So you start off by recalibrating your mind by looking at the ceiling and you really calibrate in your sort of body with the exercise in the cold shower and then you recalibrate in your chemistry with the, the lemon water and do those sort of things the first hour of your day maybe follow up with a little bit of if not meditation maybe writing in a journal maybe just sit in and appreciate in life a little bit smelling the roses and you do all that before you start clocking on social media and email mm. yeah you stand a day ready to rock it man oh it sounds like a great routine except for the cold water <laughs> it's horrible no yeah, it's, it's absolutely horrible but then you you get out and you wrap yourself up in the shower and like i i'm, I'm always so glad i did it because <laughs> my body feels like alive it's it's crazy it's it's just so unfortunate that you have to like have two minutes or so of like virgin on torture to kind of feel like that but the the effects afterwards i mean try it, it it's it's hard it's not easy but 
try it and when you wrap yourself in that towel like you tell me if your body isn't tingling and feeling alive and feeling energized it's it's a strange sensation it's a really good one and for me it makes going through that cold shower worth it although not easy (laughs) (laughs) yeah of course it's a matter of habits at at first it might be painful yeah (laughs) well thanks a lot matthew for this very interesting interview and Telling about your, the storytelling, I've never been talking about so much about writing and non-fiction writing combined with storytelling. So, well, pretty unique, and appreciate your your insights about this. Uh, could you finally tell us how we can uh, learn more about you, follow you? What are the best ways for that? Absolutely. Well, first of all, just thank you so much for having me on your show. I've really enjoyed it, and I hope you've taken value out of it and your listeners too. Uh, as for learning more about me and the book, just head over to successfulmistake.com. So that's successfulmistake.com without the, the at the beginning. And there you can read more about the book. You can even download a free sample, which is what I believe you probably read mm-hmm. on the on the site. And and yeah, it would be great to to get to know you. And if you feel like a successful mistake can help, read the sample you like it, go and buy it. If not, no worries. But hopefully you uh, you will learn a little something from it. But yeah, successfulmistake.com. You'll be able to learn everything you need to know about me in the book. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thanks a lot, uh, Matthew. And well, all the best. Thank you very much, man. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time...